Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of Trinity Church PCA in Collierville, Tennessee, right outside of Memphis. For more information about our church, you can visit our website, missioncollierville.org. So we have one more Sunday in this place, and then we transition to the YMCA at Schilling Farms. I've mentioned to you in the past that church planting is like the Israelites in the wilderness. It is a journey with a mission. It's a journey with a mission. And so in our short time, we have met at the Grantham's home. We have met at ECS. We have met at Grace Community Church in Cordova. And we've met here. And our next stop is Schilling Farms. And when we come to this passage this morning, we see Jesus on a journey with a mission. He is going up to Jerusalem. Those are important words because the Old Testament comes to an end and the big question that we see in First and Second Chronicles, that would be the end of the Hebrew Bible, is who's going to go up? Who is going to redeem us? Who is going to save us? Who is going to Jerusalem? What Davidic son is going to retake the throne and reclaim this city for Israel? That's how the Old Testament in the Hebrew Bible comes to an end. In Mark chapter 10, this is a pivotal, exciting, important turning point. When Mark says, Jesus is going up to Jerusalem. Mark is saying to his audience, and he's saying to us, that Davidic king has come, he has arrived, here he is, and he is going to take his throne. He is a man on a journey with a mission. Let's pray. Our God, our King, our Father, our Lord, you are gracious and kind and you are good. Transform our hearts, draw close to us, help us to see the Word, help us to hear the Word, help us to know your Word. Thank you for being present with us this morning. Amen. So we're going to go on a journey this morning in light of the journey that Jesus is on going to Jerusalem, going up that hill, ascending to Calvary, going to the cross. There's a few places that I want us to look at this morning, some stops all along the way. The first stop, and I think this will help us understand why Jesus is headed to Jerusalem, is in Eden. That's the first place we're going to stop. And we're going to look at a lot of Scripture this morning. So if you have your Bibles with you, I would encourage you to turn to Genesis chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 8 through 15. That's Genesis chapter 3, beginning with verse 8. We're going all the way back to the beginning And our first stop is in the garden. Remember, it's in the garden. A place of perfection. A place where humanity dwelt in the presence of God. A place where, uh, through obedience, humanity would be blessed beyond our wildest imagination forever. And what we see and what we know from Genesis 1 and 2 in the early parts of chapter 3, is humanity has now sinned. They've rebelled against God. They did not listen to Him. And thus, they deserve punishment. They deserve the punishment of covenant disobedience. 
And then notice what God does in chapter 3, beginning with verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, Well, serpent deceived me and, and I ate. Verse 14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. Verse 15. And this is important. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So man has sinned, man has rebelled against God, man has not obeyed. The blessings that they were to receive through obedience will not, no longer be true. Creation is suffering now under the curse of sin. And so according to the covenant that God had established with our first mother and our first father, God had every right to be done with them. But He comes to them and He says to them, Eve, one of your descendants will crush the head of the serpent. God comes to them and He's gracious and He's loving and He's saying to humanity, He's saying to us, I have not forgotten you. I am going to redeem you. I am going to raise up someone who will crush, destroy the head of this serpent who has brought such devastation to this world and to your lives. God is kind to us in coming to our mother and our father and to make this promise, the gracious promise of redemption. He is the one who seeks us in the garden in love. And as we look at the Old Testament, we see these covenant promises that God then makes to Noah and to Abraham and to Moses and to David. God all along the way is saying, I am your God. You are my people. I have not forgotten the original promise that I made to Adam and to Eve. I'm not going to let you wonder. I am going to redeem you. I'm going to save you. And we see this unfold throughout the Old Testament. That God is faithful and He is patient. And so when we come to our passage in Mark chapter 10 and Jesus turns His face towards Jerusalem, Jesus is going to Calvary. That is God's faithfulness in action. When Jesus begins that path, God's people should remember we should remember the promises made to Adam and to Noah and to Abraham and to Moses and to David. Jesus is the fulfillment of all of those covenant promises. He is the new covenant. 
And here's what's exciting and here's what's unbelievable when we think about Jesus' journey to Calvary is that it is God who has come in the flesh. You see, as God looked at the covenant disobedience of Israel through the ages, through the generations, as God looked at the sinfulness of mankind, He realized and He knew that no human could be good enough, no human could be perfect, no human could be spotless, no human could be the sacrifice needed in order to reconcile mankind to God. So, He comes for us. I'm coming to redeem you. I'm coming to save you. I'm coming to fulfill the promise that was made all the way back in Eden. And so here is Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of Man, on this journey with a mission for us, the Word of God that has come in the flesh. When you think about it, when you let your heart dwell on that, it is an amazing thing. That is how much God cares for us and that is how much your God loves you. He has come for you. Let that be an encouragement to your soul this morning. He didn't leave us in a desperate state because of the sin that took place in the garden. He comes to us and tells us that we belong to Him and that He is on a mission to redeem us so that we can know Him both now and forevermore. That's how great and unbelievable and amazing your God is, my God is, and I need to be reminded of that every single day. He's so awesome. And that's the first stop, Eden. What's the second stop on this journey that has a mission? Well, the second stop is Bethlehem. Now, I know that you're not supposed to talk about the city of David except during the month of December, but it's important that we understand rightly what is taking place in the nativity scene. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 2, and we're going to look at verses 8 through 14. 8 through 14. Luke chapter 2. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. So when we see this passage, this second stop on the journey that has a mission, we see that God has come for us. That the Davidic King has arrived. That is Jesus Christ. And when we look at the angels and we look at their response, they say glory to God in the highest. They understand, they know. They break out in worship because they know how incredible our God is. They know that He is three times holy like we sang earlier this morning. 
they fully understand that Jesus is coming as an infant in order to give His life for God's people so that they may worship Him in eternity forever and ever and ever. And so this is an important stop because here God takes His first breaths in a sinful, broken place in Bethlehem. And so when we think about the journey that Jesus is on and we think about His mission for His people, our hearts should break forth in worship. Not just when we gather together as a church family for worship, but every single day. I have been redeemed. I have been saved. My heart has been cleansed. I am a new creation in Christ. God has done all of this for me. I don't deserve any of it because I've rebelled against Him. I've sinned against Him. He has come for me. That is incredible. And so the end result of that should be that our heart is filled with worship. And we come to King Jesus and we give Him all the glory that He deserves. We say, like the angels, glory to God in the highest. And then when we see this passage, when we approach Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the wise men, we are reminded of the faithfulness of God. Uh, We have some friends, some very dear friends, and I was in their home in the summer, I believe, a couple of years ago. And their manger scene was out. And I thought, starting early, getting ready. It's never too soon to start decorating for Christmas. And I asked him about it, and he told me, no, we, we keep the manger scene out all year long. Because every morning when I go to get my coffee and I sit down, In my chair, it reminds me of the faithfulness of God and that Jesus has come for a sinner like me. What beautiful imagery. And why it's appropriate for us on this journey to take a stop in Bethlehem after leaving the Garden of Eden. Because when we come to the manger, we see the faithfulness of God. He has not forgotten you. He has not forgotten you. Now let me tell you, life is hard and life is challenging. And the last couple of weeks for the Brewer family have been difficult and challenging. And in the midst of that, you can begin to think, where is God? Why is this happening? Has He forgotten us? Are we not loved? Are we not accepted? What? What's happening? Why are we going through this? And then you see the sheep and you see the camels and you see the wise men and the star and the shepherd and the baby. And you're reminded, He hasn't forgotten us. He hasn't left us. We're not on this journey alone. God is with us and He has come for us. He has taken on flesh. He has felt the fallenness of this creation for me, for my family, for this church, 
for all of his people. The coming of Jesus in Bethlehem is a reminder that God is faithful. He delivers on his promises. He is good and he is true. And we are to sink our hope into that. We are to grind it into that. The incarnation. He loves me. He has come for me. That's the second stop. Where are we going next? The third stop on this journey that has a mission of Jesus, our covenant Lord, is in Gethsemane. It's in Gethsemane. Matthew chapter 26, 36 through 39. Look in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 26, 36 through 39. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and He said to His disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with Him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, He began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then He said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with Me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and he prayed, saying, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. You see, this stop on this journey is significant for God's people because Jesus realizes that He is headed to the cross, and that He is going to be given a cup that He has to drink. So here's what God is going to do according to the covenant that He has entered into with mankind. There is a punishment that belongs to us because of our disobedience. And so God the Father is going to take that disobedience. He is going to take all those punishments for all generations, for all eternity. And He's going to put it in one cup. And then on the cross, God is going to look away from the Son because He cannot look upon sin. He is holy, holy, holy. And Jesus is going to take that cup and He's going to drink it. And do you know why He's going to drink it? He's going to drink it so we don't have to. Because of His perfect obedience, He is going to give us all the blessings that He has earned. And He's going to take our punishment, all of it, every single ounce of it, to the very last drop. And so when he comes to the Garden of Gethsemane, he knows what's about to happen, and he's fearful, he's afraid. But what else is Jesus? Oh, he's obedient. He drinks the cup. He is the obedient Son of God. And so we think about Him going to Jerusalem. We think about His journey in Mark chapter 10. We think about the apostles who are walking with Him and He's teaching them and He's talking to them and Jesus knows Gethsemane's coming. I'm going to drink that cup. And if Jesus doesn't drink that cup, then the promise that God the Father made all the way back in the garden is null and void. Null and void. So this is an important stop 
on his journey. It's a part of his mission. And in this passage, we see the perfect nature of Jesus Christ and how he is willing against the difficulties of this fallen world to obey his father perfectly. And so when we understand who Jesus is and what he has done for us and that he is our redeemer and our Messiah, we should seek to be obedient like he is. That when we come to the word of God and we see the gospels and we see Jesus and we see his ministry and we see his perfect obedience, we should come to the Holy Spirit and we should pray and ask that our hearts would be strengthened and that we would be able to obey the word of God. That we would be able to follow after Jesus. Lord God, may we join this journey and may we be part of this mission. Help us to do this by the work of the Spirit within us. Now we will slip and we will fall and we will fail because this side of the coming of the kingdom of God in all its fullness, fullness, we are still broken people. But we look to Jesus, we turn to Jesus, and we model His obedience. And then in Gethsemane, we see His love for us. He falls to His face. Think about that. Jesus falls to His face for us. That's how much He loves us. It's also how much He loves the Father. I'm going to obey you perfectly. I'm going to go to the cross and do this. I'm going to drink from the cup. Because I love you, Father. And I have come in obedience to your will. It's such an unbelievable encouragement to our soul, the love that Jesus has for us and the love that Jesus has for the Father. And so our love, our response, excuse me, is love and it is obedience. And then the fourth stop, Calvary. The garden, Bethlehem, Gethsemane, and Calvary. This is the last passage that we will look at. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 15. Hebrews 9, beginning with verse 11. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of heifers sanctify, sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, Purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Jesus is our mediator of the new covenant and he has come to offer the perfect sacrifice. Calvary 
is important to the message of redemption. God cannot deliver on His promises made all the way back in the garden. The promises that He made to Noah and to Abraham and to Moses and David. Calvary has to happen. Jesus has to go to the cross. He has to serve as the perfect sacrifice. He is receiving our punishments and He is earning God's blessings. Those blessings that He turns around and gives us through faith, which is a gift that comes from God. It's the most beautiful transaction that has ever happened in the history of the universe. Jesus goes to the cross and He suffers so that we don't have to suffer. That's how great His love is for us. The cross is a reminder that all the sufferings that we experience in this life have meaning in His suffering. Because His death, His atonement makes sense of all things. And it brings, about the come, it brings about the kingdom of God. And we have a place in that kingdom. And so one day, all that we have gone through, the difficulties that we experience, will make fully, full sense in light of the kingdom. And God deserves all the glory as a result. This is the, the stop on His journey. A journey with a mission that is Calvary, and there he goes to spill his blood for God's people. Their suffering begins to make sense. Their evil begins to make sense. Their salvation makes complete sense. And then the last stop is the garden. Notice we began in the garden, and we're finishing in the garden because Jesus is he dies and he is buried and in three days he rises again. And in Mark chapter 10, Jesus says to the apostles, he says, I'm going up to Jerusalem. I am the Davidic son who is going to retake the throne, who is going to reestablish the kingdom. And the way that this is going to happen, the way this is going to come to pass is through my death and resurrection. Now we know according to the Gospels that the apostles did not fully understand what Jesus was saying. But the resurrection that takes place in that garden brings us restoration and brings us redemption. It gives us hope and it gives us victory. The Father did an unbelievable thing for us in the throne room of heaven when He asked the Son to go and to live and to die with the promise of resurrection that would bring us into His family, that would secure our right one day to walk into the throne room of grace and to stand in the presence of God and for Jesus to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Because that stone was rolled away, because that tomb is empty, because Jesus came forth, We have hope. We have hope this morning. Trinity, no matter what you are dealing with, no matter what struggles you might be facing, what desperate situation you may think that you're in, no matter what condition your soul may be found this morning, we stand with our older brother 
in victory with hope because he went on a journey with a very particular mission. Us. Let's pray. Our Lord, our God, we thank you that we can not only praise you in song, but that we can come to you in prayer and to thank you for all that you have done for us, for the redemption and restoration that we have because of our King. Father, as a result of this message this morning and through the work of the Holy Spirit, may you strengthen and encourage our souls so that we love you more and that we are more obedient. Help us to be holy as your Son, Jesus Christ, is holy and remind us that we are new creations in Him. We pray this in His name, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.